everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mature Audiences Mayhem. My name is Glenn King. It is my great honor to bring you this podcast where we talk about the things that other podcasts either cannot or will not or just fail to talk about. That is, things that are for mature audiences only. Today's episode is brought to you by the great people at Fix Pleasure Products. You know, dating in the world of quarantine is weird. Sex in the world of quarantine is weird. And Fix Pleasure Products makes it unweird. Find out what I'm talking about and find out about the greatest pleasure products in the world by going to letsfix.com. That's L-E-T-S-P-H-I-X.com. Today, my guest needs no introduction, and that is an overused phrase, uh, but not in this case. My guest today needs no introduction. She is simply one of the greatest performers in the history of the adult entertainment industry, maybe the greatest performer in the history of the adult entertainment industry. She is uh, stunningly beautiful with a body that just uh, makes people pass out when they see her. She's the girl that your favorite celebrity uh, when they get caught masturbating to porn, that's who they get caught masturbating to. She is not only a performer, she is a producer and a talent agent and many, many other things. She is the great Sarah J. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's an insane introduction. I really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, you deserve all those accolades and more, of course. Uh, you're just an amazing performer. I'm thrilled to have you on the show here today. Thank you so much for doing this. You and I met um, in 2003, I believe. Yeah, it's totally possible. I started in 2000. Yeah, we shot you for a scene back then with Deviant David, with David Christopher. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. you still look like exactly the same today. I'm amazed by that. Uh -huh. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, unlike me, uh, you know, you are aging extremely well. You look fantastic. Uh, you're wearing a, 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 a top that is about 10 sizes too small for your boobs <laughs> today. And so at some point during this interview, I'm sure the boobs are going to explode right through there. Yeah, it's, it's got all these, like, hooks and eyes to, like, hold me together. It's like a sports <laughs> bra. This is, like, the one I wear every day. It's the only thing that I can, like, stop jiggling in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this is your workout outfit. You're going for a workout after this? I am. I'm going for a nice, long 10-mile walk. Yeah. It should be good. I usually go through this like fancy neighborhood, the Coral Gables, and uh, look at all the big million-dollar homes. But this time today, I'm really excited because I'm going to go a totally different direction. I'm going to go towards the Keys and take the bridge across over to Virginia Key, which is going to be really cool. That's exciting. I mean, this is this is Miami that we're talking about. What's the temperature going to be? Eh, probably close to 90. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's not too bad, but, but with the, it's very humid out there, no doubt. Yeah. With the heat index, it's probably very hot. So you're going to be sweaty. I will be sweating. I'm, I'm already sweating. Keep it real. <laughs> we just stay wet here in Miami. Everybody just stays wet. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, if you're one of our fans with a sweat fetish that listens to the show, then you should go to Miami is my suggestion. You'll see lots of sweaty okay. girls. Um, uh, yeah, I was just going to mention, I, I used to go on a hike right about that, that length. Um, when I was living in Encino, I used to go up a mountain. So the first mile would kind of be straight up. That was the tough part. And then you had 12 miles in a very low grade downhill. And then you got to the ocean in the end. But, but 
the uh, part of the story that kind of leads us into our first topic is that by the end of the hike, I had to go through Pacific Palisades to get to the ocean. And to get there, I had to go through just dirt. I mean, with no no civilization around it at all. You would go for miles with no cell phone signal, you know, just kind of clomping through the dirt. Yeah. And uh, But by the time I got to Pacific Palisades, I was covered in dirt and looked like a homeless person. And now, I always, Pacific Palisades is fancy, right? Pacific Palisades, yeah, that's where the celebrities um, who are way above regular celebrities live. <laughs> Super fancy. <laughs> right. Like, just because, let's say, you starred in, you know, 10 major motion pictures, you probably still can't live in Pacific Palisades. Oh, wow. It's Goodness. a really elite neighborhood, yeah. So I figured the cops were just going to swing by one day and just go... Yeah, listen, you're not breaking any laws, but you don't belong here. And, right. and pick me up. And, and that <laughs> kind of brings me to the first topic I want to talk about with you today. You're very outspoken on the topic of racism in our industry. Um, and we're going through some, some changes and some tumultuous times in the industry right now. Let's just get your thoughts on where we stand in the industry on the topic of racism. You know, it's it's so good that we're finally making some changes because um, it's always been a struggle for me as a performer that performs with all different types of people. And I direct scenes with all different types of people because we make products generally for a racist world. No matter what our heart is and what our feelings are, there's so many people out there that consume our products that are racist. And there's even people that are not necessarily racist, but their feelings are not so clear on how they stand and might even like fetishize race. Right. And um, those are things that like I always try to like steer clear from as a performer, but even more importantly, as a producer. And um, it was important to me to become a producer because I didn't see the type of IR quote unquote scenes that I wanted to see. Like, where's the Spanish people? Where's the Asian people? Where's the Spanish people and the black people having sex? Where's the Asian people and the white people having sex? Like, I just didn't really see, like, and then also I felt like this issue of them fetishizing having sex outside your ethnicity was something that um, wasn't necessary, you know? Like, you could just have like a regular, you know, typical naughty America type scene where you're fucking your neighbor, but your neighbor has to be, you know, a different ethnicity. That's fine. Like we have neighbors of all kinds of ethnicities, I'm sure, you know? So I really wanted to just kind of like create products that like normalized having sex outside of your race as opposed to fetishize it. You know, as a producer and as pornographers, we plant these little seeds in people's minds at very young ages, little images that stick with them the rest of their life. So it's really important that we are responsible with those images. You know, it's really important that we are careful what seeds we sow because they will take those little plants and those little plants will grow into big trees. And, uh, you know, I, I just feel like we have to be the change that we wish to see in the world. Yeah, some of it's market-driven. So, for example, you did your first interracial scene when? And did you get paid extra for your... I wouldn't have never accepted extra, no. Like, I, I, everybody asked me, oh, what's your IR rate? And I said, I don't understand what you mean. That right. doesn't make sense to me. I'm sorry. Um, 
And I couldn't tell you when my first IR scene was because I did not make a big deal out of it. Like I was just having sex. Like it may have been one of my first, uh, first few scenes. I have no idea. Like that doesn't matter to me. And like, I didn't understand why it mattered to other people to be honest with you. Okay. So IR rates now. So I am a activist in the industry behind the scenes. You, you don't tend to see me tweeting as much, although I have tweeted on this particular topic quite a bit, but, um, I'm a pesky voice behind the scenes that is constantly uh, demanding to speak with the head of the FSC, the, the agencies, everybody, and push what I think are obvious topics. Now, this one, I called three or four different agents two weeks ago and said to them, interracial rates, if somebody charges a different rate based upon race, is that not the very definition of racism? And... Everyone agreed with me. Okay, so the 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 answer in their defense that they gave, or you know, the legitimate answer was, an agent is theoretically just a uh, a representative, you know, a middleman between client and producer, and their job is to take an offer from a producer and put it in front of their client, and if their client says, "I don't want to do something for that rate," they're supposed to present the counter proposal to the um to the producer and that's why they have been doing it was their uh reasoning but now they did all put out an announcement last week saying that although that is our job is to negotiate rates between performers and producers it is not acceptable for us to allow anyone to set their rates by race so absolutely i mean i always you know i've always heard that part of the reason why there was a different IR rate for some girls was because, you know, men of color had tended to be a little bit bigger or tend to be a lot bigger. And I'm like, well, if that's the case, charge by the inch. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. You know, like there's plenty of white guys with big dicks too. Like, right. and there's plenty of white guys that have rougher sex than black guys. So I always felt like that was just like some bullshit and I wasn't going to listen to it. Then as a producer, when it comes to me casting, I, I really appreciate someone like you who speaks to others and tries to assuade them, you know, to do the right thing. But I've always felt like I could only do what I can only be that change that I want to see. So when um, I'm hiring, you know, talent for a production, I don't say, you know, do you do IR? I don't give a fuck if you do IR. I want to know if you're going to work with Rome Major. I want to know if you're going to work with King Noir. Right. I want to know if you're going to work with Shonda. I don't care why if you don't want to work with them. Are you going to work with them or not? Right. And I feel that, that um, you know, I understand that people come from different backgrounds and they have different upbringings and maybe this is something that they're not comfortable with. And even though it's wrong... I'm not going to force you to like have sex with somebody that you don't want to have sex with, but I want you to speak on the individual and not the people as a whole. Well said, well said. Uh, you know, and of course, for the record, we at Mean Bitch Productions, my company, we've shot from day one, um, black, green, blue, yellow. You know, we've we've always I've always looked for beauty. Period. I, I want glamorous girls. I want girls who stand out. And race has never been a consideration. Um, but you do get into the question then of like tagging, okay, labels. 
And this is where maybe we might disagree just a little bit because, uh, for example, there was a controversy a couple years ago about the word race play. And so I want clips banned race play. And I said, this is stupid. Not because I'm not against race play, the form that it, it default to. I mean, race play is when you have a racist video most of the time where you've got a white girl degrading and yelling, you know, saying N-word or the other way around, um, you, you know, a, a, a white guy degrading a black girl. And that's not okay. But my problem is, is that eliminating the word race play does not solve the problem. It only removes the tag. The companies that were making those racist videos continue to make them, but then they just change the tags on them to race fantasy right. or right. something like that. I can understand that. Um, you know, that brings up another big topic within our conversation that we're having within the industry right now is the term of IR, interracial. And, um, you know, we can't actually get rid of that tag. That's, uh, you know, I, I personally, I like to watch people. This is going to sound crazy, <laughs> but like, I really find that when you see people of different ethnicities having sex, I don't care what in the ethnicities, but when you see people of different ethnicities having sex, it is the most beautiful thing to me because they're overcoming um, history, they're overcoming tradition, they're overcoming differences, and they're coming together for the sake of fucking, which is like so hot. That's like the hottest thing. So we need to have that labeled in exactly. some kind of way. Yeah. But I do feel like the term interracial needs to be broadened. When I shoot yeah. interracial, yeah. I yes. shoot Spanish people, Cuban people, um, you know, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, uh, Asian people, all those mixed people. Uh, like everything, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, um, but I do like it when the skin colors are all different, you know, like I like to see a dark skin, black woman with a Spanish guy, right. you know, with, right. a, with a medium colored brown kind of color, you know? So, um, yes, I like different colors of skin and I think it looks great. And I also like subconsciously, it's like the symbol of love to me. Because I really feel that, like, you're overcoming all of these, like, challenges that we have in the world to fuck. And yeah. that's so hot. So um, I think, you know, and on the same page that you are, like, we can't get rid of some of these SEO words. Not only that, but we also have to remember we do make products for people that are not of our like mind. Yes. And we also have to have some kind of term to explain what these scenarios are and stuff. But that doesn't mean that we have to make a racist product. Absolutely. Well, and that's the core issue is we need to get everybody in this mind or out of the mindset that is causing this racism to happen in our industry. And part of that mindset is because producers use gut instinct to tell them what's going to sell and what's not. Very few producers use actual statistics and most of it is sort of passed on from generation to generation of producers. So producers are told when they get in the business that, you know, 18-year-old girls are the hottest, you know, product, commodity. That's how you sell. That's the easiest ones to sell. And that uh, African-American females don't sell. That's what producers perceive completely. I mean, I can tell you from my experience, 
you know, African-American performers of all types sell very well. It's simply a matter of developing your marketplace. If you only hire a token black person once a year or a token black female once a year, your audience didn't join for the kind of diversity. So, yeah, she's not going to get the kind of numbers. But if you're consistently just picking the beautiful women over and over again, you Mm -hmm. develop, you add, you make more money. Uh, because people yep. are joining for all types instead of just to see, you know, blonde girls with big boobs. I've gotten so many crazy comments over the years because I have done so much interracial. And, um, you know, people, because of this, like, um, template or, like, you know, tr- like, uh, just this trained mindset that people have as far as producers go and stuff. They have actually approached me thinking like, how could you be so popular when you do IR? And I'm like, how can you not be like, how can you not be like, if I didn't do black guys, if I didn't do people of color, I would like section out a whole section of fan base. Of course. You know, like, I might not be Sarah. Well, I know I wouldn't be Sarah J if I only had sex with white people. Absolutely. Of course. You know, um, you know, the idea that was proposed as part of the things that the African-American performers or the, you know, there was a big um, forum recently and they I thought they proposed some very good ideas to AVN. Uh, one of them I didn't like. And it was when did you sit in, and sit in on the APAC? This one was, um, I didn't see this one, but I think it was XBiz that did this. Yeah, I was at that one. Okay. I so, missed the APAC, but I went to the XBiz. I, I did watch uh, the one that had Misty Stone and, um, and, and Anna Fox and a couple of other yeah. performers together. That was wonderful. One yeah, thing I disagree with. Lexington Steel. There was a lot of people there. Yeah. And they made they make a lot of great points, and you know, and a lot of what they were saying was simply just give the African American performers the same opportunities that the Caucasian ones get. Uh, one thing that was suggested to me based upon that was that hey, well, you should put together like a um, mean black bitches website or just you know a black on black. And I said, you know, the problem with that is that that's reverse. Now you're going back to segregation. Yeah, that doesn't. Like, solve why does it, it got to be different? Right. You got to mean bitches, you should be able to see all that. Right. That's what you get right now. I've actually kind of stopped shooting for some of my sub-sites and just do mean bitches all the time, most of the time now, so that I can just take the best performer and put her in the best environment. And if it so happens that she's uh, you know, somebody who's got um, dungeon skills, then great. We'll shoot a mean dungeon scene, but... We're just trying to get the best scene. But I don't want to segregate performers and say, yeah. oh, you're black? Well, we'll just – that's great. Come on over here and, and away from everybody else. We'll get you on the black side. Yeah. Yeah, no. I totally agree with you 100%. You know, that forum was so interesting, and it was so great to listen to. So much pain. You know, there's so many performers and so many people in the world that are experiencing so much pain. Yes. And, you know, they really need a place to, like – vocalize it and let it out and also like channel that pain and energy into something productive um the cinnamon love was on there as well like in the chat area mm-hmm. and love she's cinnamon. come up with a bipoc collective um you know 
Black, Indigenous, people of color collective, a place where, um, you know, people can talk freely and openly without white people there and help, you know, try to come up with revisions and answers and solutions to some of the real problems that we have within the industry. Yeah, and, and we need it. I mean, I, I shot uh, Gorgeous Afro last week for a scene. Oh, how is that? I've been wanting to shoot her. She is a doll. She is wonderful. Uh, we definitely yeah, look forward to having her back. <laughs> you know, of course it was her first femdom scene. We do a, a lot of girls' first femdom scenes. Um, and she just took to it very easily and did well. Her dialogue was great. Her big, beautiful butt. Is wonderful, and I was in the scene with her personally, and I loved it. I loved being That's underneath great. her big. No, beautiful she's on bar. my to-do list. <laughs> Do it. Uh, yes. Isn't she? I thought I saw her travel schedule was taking her to Florida this week, actually, cool. or Atlanta. Yeah. No, I think That's it was Atlanta. July. Oh, okay. Well, then, and in fact, that will bring us to our next topic of shooting in the COVID world. But first, I got to talk about today's sponsor. I'm very excited about our new sponsor, Fix pleasure products i'm holding in my hand a puckish can you see the puckish yeah this thing's pretty cool looking so is the silver part like the handle uh so that is gold but it is okay, my bad. yes that would be the handle okay and then you've got yeah. behind that handle are the buttons to turn it on here That's so cool you've got uh, the bottom button they can see it lights up when i turn it on now can you even hear the buzz it's very quiet nope can't hear it. I mean, it's buzzing. It's in my hand, but very quiet. Now, then above that button is another button that you push, and there's 12 different settings. So oh, when you're using a vibrator, do you just keep it, like, first of all, what speed do you go for? Um, I'm either, like, the highest or second to highest. <laughs> okay, yeah. You're a power user. You're a power user. Yeah. Okay, so this thing, the highest setting is, like, an outboard motor here, basically. It's strong. But... There is something interesting that happens if you keep pushing the buttons. So, like, right now, it's in this sort of blinking mode where it goes, bzzz, bzzz. <laughs> Okay, but it is very interesting because, you know, I think some people might actually get really turned on by the sure. different patterns just, of settings that I you like have I like to masturbate really quickly. So, like, that whole, like, teasing myself, I'm like, I, I don't have patience to tease myself. <laughs> yeah, I understand, too. Uh, but this I is, think it's cool when people do. <laughs> this is super flexible and soft. Okay, so this is the softest adult pleasure toy that I have ever put my hands on. Now I don't endorse products that I don't really like. This, I love this thing, um, but it something is, about it makes me want to put my mouth on it. Like it's just, <laughs> it looks like it. It looks like yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it does. It looks like I want to put my mouth on it. It looks really nice. Like it probably tastes good. I don't know. <laughs> it does look like it would taste good. Um, it smells pretty good. <laughs> Um, super soft. It's also very flexible. Is that, somebody, is that why it smells good? Because <laughs> of what? Have you already used it? Is oh. that why it smells good? Uh, no. No, I don't. So that's the thing. But I, I did actually put this on my crotch already once or twice. Yeah. Um, it feels pretty good. I'm not a big toy guy. I don't, I don't know if, I, if there are many guys who are. But this is pretty awesome. Um, and again, it's very flexible. Let's see. What else do I need to tell people about it? Okay, okay. so it has a USB power port on here somewhere. Oh, I have cool. no idea where it is, but I know it's in here somewhere. So right. that's pretty cool because it's not going to get in the way. One of those things where the port's like kind of closed. With the, you know what that happens? That makes it like kind of more water resistant so you don't get water in the like right. holes. Yeah. 
It's so non-obtrusive that I can't even see it. So maybe it's behind the gold thing or whatever. But it's it's there, and it's a USB charging, and it actually lasts six hours of uh, of battery power. So that's pretty good, I think, for you. You probably don't I need, need about six thirty hours. seconds. Thirty seconds. <laughs> Uh, vibrating dildo, great for penetration. It's also very wonderful for skin contact. A great toy for beginners. Very easy to clean. I mean, this is all one piece. Very easy to clean with toy cleaner spray. Comes with a nice plus pouch. And let me share with you something that you're going to like about the company. So Fix Pleasure Products is a small business. It is woman-owned small right. company. Um, nice. in this, Yeah, in this time of, of coronavirus, everybody had to shut down. Uh, small businesses have been going out of business. Please forget the ad for a second. If you're listening to the show, please do everything you can to support your local small businesses. Uh, They need your help. I run a small business. Sarah runs a small business. My brother runs a restaurant in Dallas. I hope people go to his restaurant. I mean, everything that we can do to keep small businesses in business is great. Um, But Fixed Pleasure Products, on top of that, is a woman-owned business. They care about each customer. When they sent me this order, I got numerous emails from them. Um, that just because I was part of the order system saying, hey, mm-hmm. here's the order, here's the tracking number, here's when it's coming. And then, of course, a follow-up saying, did you get it? And and uh, and these are things they didn't do just because I'm advertising their product. This is part of what they do for everybody, a follow-up to see, did you get the product and did you like it and so on. So where do you get this? It's at letsfix.com. That's L-E-T-S. P-H-I-X.com. Let's Fix. Fix Pleasure Products. They've got a variety of great toys. I highly recommend. It's funny because this audio podcast only, and I'm holding this up in the air, but at least Sarah can see it. I can. It's cool. The Puckish is what it's called. This is the one that I would be getting if I was getting a pleasure product from them. There you go, everybody. Let's Fix.com. All right. So let's get back to COVID talk. Now we're going to talk about COVID. This is something that I have been... I've spent hours and hours of my life every day behind the scenes harassing people for the last month and a half. And then yesterday it blew up on Twitter as I expected finally Uh for it to do where people were going to come at me. Let's talk about shooting in the COVID world. You're back to shooting because I saw you went to TTS. Or no, you're not shooting, but you Uh, did go get COVID tested. No, I haven't started shooting yet. I just, I'm paranoid about testing to be honest with you. And um, my... My mom is got respiratory illness, so um, in order for me to feel comfortable going to visit her, I go get COVID tested before, like on the way to her house. She lives five hour drive, so if I get tested at like eleven a.m., the test gets back by like six p.m. So I go get tested, and then I come back home and pack my bag, and then I go. And by the time I get to her house, I get my test back. That's great. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's um it's been really important for me because I love my mom. <laughs> um yeah, she quit smoking like cigarettes what a year ago. And ever she doesn't really like doctors and stuff, so she's just been trying like holistic things, but ever since then she's had like what I'm gonna guess is some kind of like possible emphysema type situation. And so it's really important to me that she stay safe. Yeah. And I you know, I'll be honest. This whole COVID thing, I really don't know. And I don't think anybody knows. And I don't trust the information that we're given. I don't trust the numbers. I don't believe, I don't know if I believe that masks are going to save us. 
I don't know, but there's certain things that I feel like I can do that are like no big deal just in case, you know, yes. I wear my mask everywhere. I love my mask. I wear my mask everywhere I go. No complaints. I'm not arguing about it. I go get tested before I see my mom. But, um, you know, this whole like shooting thing has been a challenge to even like wrap your brain around, like, how are we going to start doing this again? And um, what we did, I, I just decided to be proactive because um, at the time, FSC hadn't really said anything yet. I sat yes. in on an FSC meeting. Um, this was, you know, a while, oh, about a month, a month and a half ago. I sat in on an FSC meeting and, um, you know, their stance is that they cannot recommend that we start shooting, but they are aware that we will anyway and they were about to start to put together guidelines for shooting. And we kind of like, during the meeting, we kind of like discussed what some of the possible guidelines would be and stuff. And um, from that meeting, and then taking the information that we are given from the CDC and the WHO, and how um, I also felt like it was very important to take information from the people that I work with. So I'm not an agent, but I'm a talent manager. And I called all my talent together. I called all my directors together, um, my, my you know, um, talent coordinator. All of us all, all got on a Zoom call. And I just discussed all of my knowledge with them and the proposed, the possible proposed guidelines. And I wanted to get their feedback because I know that some people on my team, you know, feel much differently than other people on my team. So I wanted to get everybody's feedback because um, I'm shooting them. What I do as a manager, not only do I manage people's brands and guide them in business sense and direction, but I also produce content for them as their producer. So it's important to me that everybody is comfortable because I'm doing everything that I do is for them. So we got together and we decided that we were definitely not going to start shooting until at least mid-July at the earliest. And when we start shooting, we were all going to start shooting what we consider pods. So take like a small group of people, everybody get tested, everybody stays at the shoot house and limits contact. And also in doing that, we're not just going to be casting like willy nilly, just random people. We're going to be casting at first people that we know that we can trust to be responsible and, you know, not be on the beach or partying or like whatever during off time. And, you know, shoot for like three to five days, just bang it all out and shoot all different combinations of this small group of people. Everybody felt really comfortable with that. So that's what we've decided to do. We've decided to put together our first pod starting July 13th. Yeah, I agree with everything that you just said, especially uh, everything except one thing. I'll get to the one thing in a second, but um, especially... Getting tested and wearing a mask isn't necessarily for us. It's to protect other people. And if I can, you know, there's, I think there's very little chance that I would ever get COVID in a situation where it would be uh, devastating for me. I'm very healthy. Um, But there is a excellent chance for all of us that you could get asymptomatic COVID and then turn mm-hmm. around and give it to somebody. Although that only happens in 16% of cases, according to the World Health uh, Organization, but 16%. And they're telling us right now. Uh, yes, they, they change things often. Like uh, although we do learn things as we go, and we know more than we knew back then. 
but I got tested the minute that TTS, like yourself, the minute that TTS started offering testing, I went down there and got tested. Um, and I wear my mask and, and I, I, listen, I, I respect, I'm libertarian. I'm a compassionate libertarian would be the closest philosophy I have. So I want to have no rules and no laws and no government interference. But the problem is, as a compassionate person is you start getting into, okay, so you don't want any laws, but wouldn't you like to have um, traffic lights to prevent accidents from being happened? Uh, yes, I would like that. Well, wouldn't you like to do something to help the homeless people? Wouldn't you like some kind of thing in place to help people who have lost their jobs? Yes, 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 yes. But I want to be – so if you say I don't want to wear my mask because I don't want my freedom taken away, I get it totally. However, if there is a 0.1% chance that I could save somebody's life by wearing my mask in the grocery store, I'm wearing a mask. It's that simple. I, uh, I agree with you 100% on that. I really do. Like I, like I said, I'm not sure what I believe, but I have no problem wearing a mask. It's not a big deal. Actually, to be honest with you – I've been waiting all my life to wear a mask. It gives me a little bit of anonymity. Uh, I look forward to putting my mask on yes. every day. Yeah, I, sometimes I forget and I leave it on, even in situations where it's not required. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I look forward to standing in grocery lines where there's a blue line six feet behind me telling people to back the fuck off. So I, um... I love social distancing. Please step away. No, it's been so great because there's been so many times in my life uh, where. I felt like people like breathing down my neck yes. and I'm like, Oh my God, please. And I'll like walk away from them. They're like right there. And you're like, please just get away from me. But now I have like the total like right to be like, excuse me, do you mind stepping six feet away? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's now okay to say to the person blue line, buddy, would you mind please social distancing? Yeah. Um, the only area that I sort of disagree with you on, and it's, it's really not a, I think you should do it certain way but um is is just in the terms of time frames and this is just it's everybody's personal choice when you're comfortable going back to shooting uh but a point that i've been making to the fsc for the last month or so is that nothing has changed in nevada from may 9th to june 9th and nothing will be different on july 9th than it is right now and so a matter of fact the the different thing is that we have more cases per day than we did in May. We would have been better off shooting in May in terms Absolutely. of safety than We're now. skyrocketing right now. As same, same for Nevada. We're one of, you know, when they have the map now where they show the reddish states to show where the thing is out of control, uh, it's it's here. And it's it's because of, so I've spent a lot of time on the phone with doctors. Tourism. It's what? Don't you think it's because of tourism? We we're both in tourist places and all these people are bringing their COVID from other places here. Mm, it's bars. The problem is, so what we've discovered about COVID, so my, my, one of my brothers is a frontline COVID doctor, and I've been able to spend a lot of time with him understanding the data as it comes in. And he, t- he's shown me how to, how to read the, the, the data that's coming out federally and statewide and whatever. We've learned a few things. Um, outdoors in Miami heat, outdoors in Nevada heat, uh, with a little bit of wind blowing, you're very unlikely to get it. Uh, f- very unlikely, but possible. You know, don't, don't let's let's be clear here with people. We're not talking about zero percent chance of anything. What we're talking about is reducing risk. Outdoors, sure. you're unlikely to get it. Uh, in the grocery store, you're 
unlikely to get it by touching an object. You know, originally we were concerned people said, wash your packages and wash your groceries. And you're not going to get it because somebody t- ch- uh, touched a box of Czech cereal and then you picked up that box of Czech cereal. Yeah. Uh, grocery store, if somebody's kind of, you know, talking to clo- up close to you, there's no ventilation, circulation of air in a grocery store. It's indoors. You got a problem there. If somebody coughs kind of near you, they can send the particles in your face. You should probably wear it in the grocery store for sure. But the real problem is in bars and restaurants. You go to a bar and one person can be in – one friendly person that walks around that bar can walk around and talk to 20 people in a given night and 20 people can walk out of there with it and not even know that they then five days later are giving the disease out to other people. And that's why you're seeing these things. In Vegas, it's because we started opening up the bars. The, the casino tables aren't that big of a deal. The, the dealer's wearing a mask, and now they have shields and everything. Right, that's cool. But it's that face-to-face contact. You know, yeah, it's definitely the same here. You know, and because we're Florida, people just are really belligerent against, like, the whole mask thing in general. It's interesting, like, I do take this drive up to my mom's, and she's in central Florida. I take my this drive up to my mom's, you know, every few weeks now. And once I hit, like, a certain, like, area, like, I guess pretty much after, like, West Palm Beach, nobody is wearing a mask at all. And they're looking at you crazy, like, nowhere. Like, nobody is wearing a mask anywhere, and they're looking at you crazy for wearing a mask. Yeah. Like, Literally, you know, I hit gas stations along the way and stuff. Once I hit after West Palm Beach, like, people look at me and, like, laugh at me for having my mask on. I don't care. Like, it doesn't bother me. I'm sorry if my mask is bothering you, but it definitely doesn't bother me. And like I said, like, I've been waiting for my moment to, like, wear a mask my whole life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, and I think, you know, you break it down that way. Tourism is a problem because what do tourists do at night? They go to bars and restaurants. For sure. And we've just got so many more people here now. Like, it was, I'll be honest, like, I love Miami. It's my city. There's nothing that could change that. But it was so pleasant during COVID. Like, I go on these walks, like, once a week where I do the 10 miles. And, like, it's just peaceful and less traffic. And it was just been so nice. And now it's all back. But, like, I live by, kind of, like, by the airport, like, that planes have, you know, fly over me like real close and it's like more planes, more cars. There's just more people everywhere. I I saw a video um, yesterday of Fort Lauderdale, like the little like strip in Fort Lauderdale, just masses of people, nobody wearing masks, nobody social distancing, at least here where I've been anyway, for the most part, people are wearing masks. And businesses are social distancing to a certain extent. A lot of businesses haven't opened up back up because they're just fearful, you know. But it's it's a real challenge to try to make that decision, like you said, to shoot. Um, and I think the reason why we – and I agree with you that it's probably riskier to do it in July than it was in May. And I wouldn't be surprised if we decide to cancel, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I with everything spiking it. back up again. Yeah, and you know, um, like I said, I take everybody's opinion into consideration. I, my mom's got an issue, health issue. I know um, King, 
he just had a baby and he, he would never want his baby to get sick, you know, and like he's got a, a you know, mother or grandmother or something. And so like, you know, you have to take all that stuff into consideration. So if, you know, we check back in and we're not going to shoot, it's like no pressure. It's fine. But, um, you know, if we want to take the opportunity and do that, we're going to do it the safest way possible. And that means get everybody tested, stay all together, shoot as much as we can in the shortest amount of time possible, and then set everybody free. And of course, the, the new thing is that, you know, we definitely have to get our crew, our cameraman, our, you know, we've got a behind the scenes cameraman and a regular cameraman. We got to get them both like tested for COVID. Yeah. So everybody's going to have to get tested. Yeah. We've been Um, shooting and we have, uh, on every Monday, basically I take my crew up there with me. Uh, cam, Jimmy gets tested. Our makeup artist gets tested. I get tested whether I'm in the scene or not. Um, and then we shoot the scene. Now we've, I mean, you know, like I said, I've reviewed my plan with the doctor, with uh, a lawyer who deals with workplace safety issues, uh, with yep. the FSC, with um, the with several agents, producers, performers, uh, we think that even with COVID cases spiking, if you can have an environment where you have two people performing in a scene that have been tested within a few days of the scene for COVID, and they're not showing symptoms, that's very important. They're not showing symptoms. Uh, that you can you can get that risk down pretty significantly below one yeah. percent and. That's all you can do. Um, so we're absolutely, you know, um, the literally the the thing that's like was hard for me to wrap my brain around was well, first of all, I'm very glad that talent testing was able to help us get uh, the window of return back really small. You know, it's like what's if I get tested at 11, I get the result back at like six, so that's great. But um, you know, we don't have that. Tw- at first, it was like 24 to 48 hours, and I was like, oh my god, I can't even. This is too much math. It's like I can't figure out how we're going to do this. Yeah, but they but, made up uh, the FSC stuff they put into that is not um, – it's it's done with the perspective of protecting the largest companies from lawsuits. It's not as much of a medical – because the, statistically speaking, the difference between a COVID test that's 48 hours old and 24 hours old is, is statistically zero. I mean it's not significant. Or 72 right. hours for that matter, too. It just gives you more opportunity to have more contact with more people and possibly catch it in the interim. But you can't, you can't spread it that fast. If you get it in yeah, between the time that you test and the time you come to set, <laughs> well, yeah, you could. I, Who I don't knows? Know. What do we know? Like, right, right, like, right. I really am like, eh. You know, I just don't yeah. know. Um, the, the other thing is that was like – super hard for me to wrap my brain around and you know I'm a little cleared up a little bit better now because of the short window is like literally you can get tested get the swab in your mouth or your nose or whatever and touch a door handle on your way out of the place and catch it it's not like an STD where you actually have to do something like have sex you know okay, but they don't they don't think that's the case anymore they were afraid of that in the beginning but yeah. Most health organizations, the World Health Organization, the CDC have all said that you really can't get it off of a door handle like that. Well, that's great. Yeah. Because but I've again, been around, I've been going around sanitizing all my doorknobs like every yeah. fucking 10 minutes. <laughs> you can stop sanitizing your doorknobs, but of course you make the great point that next week the World Health Organization might come out and say yes. new research shows doorknobs are the number one killer of people or like, something. Literally, I come in from being outside – 
and I wash my hands, I spray my keys with Lysol, I take a Clorox wipe and wipe all the door handles that I just touched. It's like... Well, it's not a bad idea to do those things, especially when you're in a public bathroom, but in your own house, like, I wouldn't, again, say... Well, it, it always comes down to, are you reducing your chance of getting disease? Yes, most likely, but you're percentage chances of getting it that way were pretty slim in the beginning anyway so maybe you can ease up on that if you want to but yeah i know i would love to ease up, up to on you. a lot of shit to be honest with you so, so tts yesterday the controversy that flared up is that tts is not going to be part of the past system okay either. yes somebody told me this why is this i i needed to find out more info I have been investigating this, and I don't have a great answer yet other than um, TTS was not pleased with the cooperation from the FSC in the beginning. Um, you know, TTS okay. was out ahead of the curve. They were trying, in my opinion, they were trying to help the industry be safe. And I thought they were uh, – I thought the FSC should have been cooperating with them heavily on day one saying, this is wonderful. We need testing. Yeah. Yeah. But for whatever reason, they're disagreeing on the way that the PASS system would handle information from uh, from the TTS passes over. I, I actually am going to try to open up a back channel because they they uh, uh, they have had – so the FSC announced yesterday that they think that TTS may be permanently out of the system. And if that's the case, that's a real problem for the industry because – we don't have an alternative right now who provides $35 COVID tests to everybody. So I mean, I guess like the only other, and not only that, like I love TTS. I've been one of their day one patients since the beginning. They're awesome to me. Um, and like you said, we, you know, I live in Florida. Like I don't really have any other opportunities to get tested. Um, right. So I guess maybe they could arrange something where we could submit our test to pass on an individual basis, possibly. I had wondered when I heard this yesterday, because when I had sat in on the FSD meeting, they had mentioned kind of in passing that they weren't planning on putting the COVID test through the PASS system. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't really understand why that was, but I guess, you know, because the past system is like a work or not work situation, I don't know. I have no idea. Because okay. they don't uh, have a standard for it is the problem yet. That's all. You'd have to, you'd have to get an apples to apples to apples when, okay, so here's the thing. People, this is what I found out yesterday. Apparently very few people in the industry actually understand what past does. Past does nothing but take one or two pieces of information from TTS and CET that basically says, Check. Yes, they have taken the entire panel, and here's the expiration date, you know, the date that they took the test. Right. That's it. That's all PASS does. And, but if you're we going to have... Before, we were fine before PASS existed. We were doing all right. Okay, well, uh, this I also had to go through. I was one of the people that um, that made up the PASS, or uh, that contributed to the, the making up of the PASS system. I was on the, the FSC advisory board. We did have two problems at the time that we don't have anymore. Number one right. is that um, it, there's HIPAA laws prevented producers from legally asking people to say, give me your test results. I want to see your detailed test results. Okay. And then number two, paper tests were being forged. Right, right. You can't have that. So now all the past – so the TTS system handles both of those things now. Uh, you no longer need to accept a paper test from anybody. You can always go online and look up a test 
And TTS has a thing now that performers can provide people with that just says green seven days, green 14 days, green 30 days. And you have a little like QRC code. And you have a QR code. So all pass does is give you the exact same information that's already in TTS's. And and all it does is give you one location where you can look up CET results and TTS results and any other approved pass providers in one place. But if you're using... There's no reason at all. There's no safety benefit from lo- looking up the information in pass versus TTS. It's the same information. I pointed that out to people yesterday yeah. and said, hey, listen, if TTS isn't in pass, then I really would like to see them get back into pass. But in the short run, I have no problem with it. I'm just using TTS. That's the yeah. only place that's given out the COVID test, and I'm requiring everybody to have a COVID test. So I got to use TTS. Absolutely. Uh, and a few people you were know, upset and said, hey, you have to all. use pass. Yeah, I said no. I even referred a lot of like civilians to TTS during this time because TTS was one of the only places here in Florida that you could go and get a COVID test quickly and easily. Like they were giving out COVID tests at the stadium here, but it was like I heard people saying they were waiting in line like six, seven, eight hours. I'm like, there's three cars in line at TTS. Like you should go over there, you know. So I had a couple of friends during this time that were like a little bit concerned that they might have it or whatever. I was like, here's the address. Just call them beforehand. Make sure that they're open and go on over. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, and I, and by the way, I think not only our industry, but every industry should go find themselves a TTS and everyone in the, who works should be tested on a regular basis for COVID until this thing ends. And that would masks and, and regular testing for everybody would basically get us out of this mess. I need to move on because I need to talk to you about Sarah J content. And before we talk about Sarah J's content, though, I got to talk to you about the best place to get Sarah J content, and that is Sex Panther. You're on Sex Panther. <laughs> yes, I am on Sex Panther. I um, I love to be able to talk to my fans, communicate with them, um, text them on a regular basis, send them little pictures and videos and stuff like that. Good stuff. You're listening to the show right now. You love Sarah J. You've fallen in love with her personality, um, that you were already in love with her big boobs and big butt, but now you're in love with her personality, and you want to get to know Sarah better, and this is how you do it, is Sext Panther. You go to sextpanther.com, or do you have a, I'll bet you have something like Text Sarah or something like that. I do. I got Text Sarah J and Call Sarah J. <laughs> did Bill set that up for you? Bill oh, Fox. No, I think I did it. Oh, okay. I think I did it, yeah. Our, our dearly departed friend Bill Fox set up um, textwhatever.com for so many different girls because he was one of the people that, that helped Sex Panther get to where they are. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I probably did it on my own, but probably with his, like, probably because I saw other people doing it. Like, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> so Sex Panther, go to, to textsarah.com, and you can start building a real relationship with Sarah, like a real friendship where you talk to her every day. You can talk to her on the phone. You can send texts. Can, can they send you that dick pic that you will not accept on Twitter? They totally can. Do you Absolutely. like looking at dick pics? <sighs> not when it's unexpected. Yes. I don't I'm... like to. I, yeah, like I hate when I'm like at the bank. Yeah. And like I open up Instagram <laughs> or something and there's like dicks flying at me. Yeah. But on Sex Panther... 
No, that's totally cool. This. But I do have some like suggestions though. Like yeah. I have a little YouTube video about this too, about like how to take the best dick pic. If you're gonna take a dick pic and you're gonna send it to your favorite porn star, make sure it's like a good one. You need like good lighting, you need a point of reference, you wanna make sure that the floor's clean and the background's nice. Like you know, if you send me a dark picture where you're in front of a dirty toilet, I'm going to make fun of you. I'm make fun of you. What angle is the best angle to use when they're taking a dick pic then? Um, I think you have a few good angles. Like the laying down with the dick straight up, as long mm. as there's a point of reference. Yeah. But a cola can, a water bottle, like something. That one's not bad. Um, standing up with like erect dick, your dick should always be erect when you take a picture, by the way. Yeah. Standing up with like an erect dick is okay, but I just, I need, really need a point of reference. Like some guy asked me yesterday on, um, on cam soda and he was like, you know, what do you think about my dick? And I was like, I have no idea if you're four foot tall or if you're eight foot tall, (laughs) like it, it could be cool. It's a nice shape. I don't know what to say about it, you know? So, um, yeah, if you're going to bother to take a dick pic and send it to me, make it a good one. So an iPhone X is exactly seven inches. And so my suggestion to people is is that maybe just grab your iPhone and put it next to your erect dick. And then Sarah would have an idea as to its length. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Perfect. Um, uh, okay, so you can get to know Sarah, and it's very exciting that you can do so. You can do so at sextpanther.com. That's S-E-X-T. P-A-N-T-H-E-R.com. Not only is Sarah on there, but basically every guest who's ever been on this program is on Sex Panther. Great people like Courtney Taylor, you've heard on the show. Uh, Christy Canyon and Ginger Lynn, you've heard on the show. Uh, Kimberly Chi was on the show. Look, everybody that's been on the show is on Sex Panther. So you want to get to know them, go to sexpanther.com. And if you're one of the many performers who is uh, listening to the show and you're not on Sex Panther yet, how is that possible? Like, you're just leaving <laughs> money on the table, but also you're leaving opportunities to have great relationships with your fans and build long-term relationships with your fans on the table. So, And, you know, just to the performers out there that are listening that might not be on Sex Panther, it's so easy to use. It's so easy to use. There's so many different, like, like functions and options, but it's, like, very, you, you know... It's got a lot of usability. Please, if you're one of the performers who listens to the show and you want to be on Sex Panther, hit me up on Twitter or whatever, however you can get a hold of me, and I will personally help you get set up on Sex Panther. So there you go, everybody. Sexpanther.com, S-E-X-T-P-A-N-T-H-E-R.com. Let's talk about Wide Side Productions and all this incredible content that you're putting out. Yeah, so Whiteside Productions, um, you know, we've been around for a bunch of years already, but I got my distribution deal about maybe six years ago with Pulse Pure Play. And um, we have, I believe, about 55 titles out with them. Um, the most recent ones that will be released in the next couple months, uh, we did a Whiteside International Search Columbia edition. Uh, volume one and two. Yes. I'm in. I want this. Okay. Yes, Colombia girls are hot. Did you dirty. go to Colombia for this, or did you just find Colombian girls that were already in the United States? I would we do that? We went to Colombia. Good for you. <laughs> and what's really cool, speaking to make full circle, talent testing set up a, 
uh, station in Colombia for all the girls to get tested. They organized the whole thing. They translated everything into Spanish. And we took all the girls at one time, got them all tested, got all their tests back in time for the shoots. It was outstanding service. Um, no, we had a really, really great time. Yeah. Uh, there's a performer here in Vegas now that I really want to shoot who's Colombian. Uh, Andrena Deluxe, I believe is her name. Oh, yeah. Just Latina Great. girls are so beautiful. So many of them. Um, we also okay. shot last year, we shot like a movie in Curacao, which um, will be released later on in the year. Curacao okay. is like a little island over by Venezuela that yeah. was really yeah. fun to shoot at. We shot at like really exotic locations. One of the sets that we uh, shot on, we actually had to swim to. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was a challenge. Because, like, we take the boat there, and we realize, like, the, the water's a little too rough, and the boat can't dock. And so, you know, they're speaking to each other in Papimento, which is the, the language of the island. And I can tell that there's, like, an issue. And I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, well, we can't get to shore any further, like, any closer to shore. You're going to have to swim. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I'm, you know, I'm always the one. I want to take everybody's opinion. Like, what do you, how do you guys feel about this, you know? And before I even got that out, my cameraman dove into the water. My cameraman, JP, he dove into the water just started swimming. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, if he's swimming, I got to swim, too. So, like, I just jumped off and started swimming. And um, it was kind of far to swim to, like, shore. But, like, everybody swam to shore. And um, then the guy that was kind of like our guide through the whole thing, he is like a fish because he lives there. So he had this like bag, this waterproof bag that he swam with both hands above the water and swam everything to shore. That is an amazing, that's the, the lengths that you will go to to get a good scene. Yes. Oh, it's so hot though. It's so hot. And did, so there's a performer from uh, Venezuela who is kind of their top porn performer, uh, Venus Aphrodita or Aphrodita. Okay. Is it, was, did you shoot her or no? I did not. I brought everybody. Um, I brought everybody. So I was King Noir, yeah. Karen Fisher, uh, Aubrey that. Black, who is from New Zealand. Yeah. She's, uh, she's a New Zealander from Australia. Yep. Um, myself. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was hot. That's was a great very, group. Very hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good stuff. No doubt. Okay, what else you got going on? Um, you got a OnlyFans. You got a clip store. I've got so much stuff. Yeah, yeah. I could have like a whole show talking about all my <laughs> stuff. I've got OnlyFans. You know, make sure you check out um, my Sarah J OnlyFans. I do like a lot of behind the scenes footage and selfies and stuff on there, and I like to connect with my fans on there as well. Make custom videos. Um, but what's really cool is I have a Wide Side Productions OnlyFans that's free. So, you know, it's like a no-brainer. Just go to OnlyFans, Wideside Productions. The account is totally free. Spell, spell Wideside for them? Oh, yeah, it's, it's special. Yeah. Okay, so you spell Wideside, W-Y-D-E-S-Y-D-E. -E. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, OnlyFans is great. But um, we've got, like, so many things. I've got SarahJ.com, which is my site that I've had for, oof, a 19 years. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I've had my site for a really long time. So um, lots and lots of content going on there. And then right now, um, I just submitted the final draft for Wideside.com. So we're going to have a um, production company site that will have all of our scenes on it and all the DVDs that we released all for like, you know, one low price. It'll be part of the VNA network. 
Fantastic. And you do live cam shows once a week on your website. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. For um, all my SarahJ.com members. And if you're a member to any site on the VNA network, you're able to watch my cam shows for free every week. It's Thursday night at eight o'clock. Yeah. I think that's pretty amazing. Um, okay. Well, we're running out of time, but I do want to ask you a couple of personal questions uh, because like, there's so much one can ask you about that I feel like in the interviews, people never get around to it. But first off, where are you from originally? I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. You're a Midwest girl. I am. Uh, how many brothers and sisters did you have growing up? None. I'm an only child. Okay. And what jobs did you have before you got into adult entertainment? Wow, what a loaded question. <laughs> uh, I started working when I was 11 years old, a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And I was why? A, Hold a, on. Why did yeah. you start working at eleven years old? Um, you know, I, I did really well in school, and just to be quite honest, my parents were a little bit alcoholics. Like it never was like a huge problem for me, but like I was at the bar every night with my parents because I'm an only child. And since I did really good in school, I I would be bored. Like after I got done with my homework, I would just be like kind of bored. And um, they needed a dishwasher one day, and. I asked my mom, I was like, can I do it? She was, I thought it was cool. Cause I was like, I get to be treated like an adult and have a job. Yeah. And uh, she was like, as long as your school doesn't suffer, I don't see a problem in it. Like they were pretty much there anyway. You know, they would be sitting at the bar drinking and I would be in the back working. So, um, yeah, I started working when I was 11 and I didn't stop. Like I worked, uh, at that bar and then I worked at a different bar and then I worked at a grocery store as like, um, a hot, I did hot foods bar at a grocery store and then I did catering. Um, I did customer service at another grocery store. I worked at Kmart shoe department. I worked in the customer service department at a department store. I did telephone marketing. I did telephone customer service. I was a stripper. I was a waitress. Um, yeah, like I did all kinds of stuff. I did coat check. I sold Avon. I've been like a hustler like my whole life. <laughs> and then what drove you to California to get into the porn industry? So um, I was stripping and I was stripping in Ohio. And I, well, I lived in Ohio. I was stripping in Indiana. And uh, I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm making good money because I'm stripping next to a casino. This is like my mind, right? And I'm like, this is great. Like stripping next to a casino is so much better than not, right? So um, – why don't we check out Las Vegas? You know, I was married at the time and I was like, why don't we go to Las Vegas? Like people, like I was already like busty and curvy and stuff. And I was like, women like me are appreciated in places like that, you know? And there's a lot of casinos there and a lot of strip clubs. Let's do that. So we went to Vegas and it wasn't that much better to be honest, like financially, because there was more competition. There's more strip clubs. There's more strippers. You know, the cost of living was a little bit more expensive. Not that much, though. And um, it just wasn't the, like, real step up that I expected it to be. Mm -hmm. But it was a lot more drama. The girls were always fighting. The customers were always getting, like, it was just, like, so much drama. There was, like, drugs and stabbings. And, like, it was just so much. And I was, this is not what I wanted to do. You know? (laughs) Drugs and stabbings. Yeah, that does sound what the fuck so um i was like okay i really like using my sexuality that was kind of new for me 
And I kind of like broke it down, like what is it about this job that I like and what would I like to change? And um, I was also married at the time. And I thought, well, you know, it'd be kind of great to be able to like explore my sexuality a little bit more, even though I'm already married. And I don't really have a problem with that. And my husband and I had like a really good like trust situation. So I felt like that was cool. And uh, I like being viewed as a sex object. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I was always like a big nerd and a little bit of a tomboy. So I was like, this is pretty neat. Um, so I like actively sought out porn opportunities. And um, I'd done some nude modeling right before I left Ohio. And then I got two scenes in, when I lived in Las Vegas. And they didn't really go anywhere because they just didn't. Like it wasn't my fault. It was just nothing really happened from that. Um, so I started, this is like when the internet was in its like infancy, you know, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and, um, I had my husband take some Polaroid naked pictures of me and I took them to the library and I scanned them into a floppy disk <laughs> and then I took that floppy disk home to my home computer wow. and I just went online looking for adult and porn stuff, which there was very little, but often you would find like a web page, not necessarily a site, but like a page with information on it yeah. about like, you know, like hustler.com might have like information about their magazines that are they're about to release or something. And so I would just look for email addresses and I always knew like you could just email webmaster at, so I'd be like webmaster at hustler.com, webmaster at penthouse.com, webmaster at playboy.com. And like, I would look for anybody's email address, anybody, I don't care who you are. If you're mopping the floor at a porn company, I'm, I'm emailing you, you know? And, um, I finally got the attention of a photographer that was based in New York that produced, uh, the exotic dancer award show. And he was like, you really want to do porn? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, I'm in Vegas right now. The exotic dancer award show is happening. I produced the award show. My name, his name was Mike Hammer. He's like, you can come down to the Mandalay Bay and stay, you know, stay with me for the weekend. Just hang out. I will introduce you to everybody I know. He's like, there's a lot of crossover between the exotic dancer, you know, community and the porn community. And you'll definitely meet some players. I was like, all right, cool. Let's do it. So I did that. met tons of people. Um, and then by this time... I'd already done two movies, already done some like, you know, pictures and stuff. But like now I'm like committed. Like I'm like, oh no, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm getting out of the stripping. And this is what I'm doing. This is great. And so this was 9-11, the first one, the original 9-11, yeah, right? Yeah, 2001. Yeah, the Exotic Dancer show is in August. Yeah. And so we had made arrangements for me to come in October to New York for the East Coast video show. I don't know if you remember the East Coast video show, but it was like a little tiny convention in in uh, Atlantic City, if I remember right. Yeah. So I, I go stay in New York. We drive to Atlantic City. We do the show, come back to New York for a couple of weeks, and I shoot with a bunch of different like little companies there. And the rest is like history. It just snowballed. I went from New York to L.A. I sat in Jim South's office for like a couple of weeks. And then, yeah, like my job just, um, it literally, my career just snowballed. Like I did really good and I showed up on time and I was enthusiastic and I couldn't wait to be there and I was so hyped up and, you know, it was just, it was really good and it's what I wanted to do. I'm sure my conversation with Jim went something like, uh, now Glenn, I'm going to give you Sarah's phone number here and 
you're going to pay me $100 for this booking, and then for the rest of your life, anytime you speak to Sarah, you owe me. Uh, <laughs> so right? That was his yeah. method back then. That, you know, He had, for our listeners, he had um, like hundreds, or not hundreds, but these books full of Polaroids that were horrible looking of girls, and you would go down to his office and then just page through all the Polaroids looking for your next star of your next scene. Um, but the smart girls... Like uh, Sarah or Chance Fortune, I remember, was always there. Uh, there were girls that would just be sitting in the office at all times. So then they, you would go, yeah, I'd like to look through the books. And then a girl would – Jim would say, well, let me introduce you – or not Jim because he was always in his office, but the other guy, uh, Steve Austin. Let me right. introduce you to oh, Sarah. Oh, wow, Steve. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I guess that's how we yeah. met you. And then I really, we I really feel time. like I probably sat in that office off and on for maybe like two or three months. And yeah. then I was like, you kind of really didn't need to sit in that office anymore. You know, like everybody pretty much knew you. And um, like I would get shoots from, I would get shoots from the, I would get a lot of shoots from the other male performers because male performers would like to work with me. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, tell whoever you're working with about me, you know? Yeah. Well, that's when I, I guess that's when we met you is booking you through Jim South and Okay, last question for you here, uh, sports. So you have been sort of – I wouldn't want you to out any celebrities here that you haven't already outed, but um, you've been spotted in on some sidelines, I think, and some NBA games and some prominent spots. Uh, what's your sport? Is it NBA your favorite? Um, you know, I – I'm like so wishy-washy when it comes to sports. Like I just am lackluster about it. Like I, I like athletes though. Like, so there's that. Um, I have a tendency, I think maybe to like football players. Like I like football players. They're like big and beefy and sexy, but yeah, like when it comes to like watching sports, I just like events. Like I definitely like to go to games. Like I live kind of like over by the Marlins stadium and it's like, I would totally go to a baseball game because I like fucking stadium food and, you know, I like looking at people. <laughs> Wasn't there a, a thing where you promised blowjobs to an entire NBA team if they won the championship? Yeah. So I did Team out? BJ in 2012 and 2014. Okay. 2012, it was for the NBA. Yeah. And basically, you know, you had to follow like a little set of rules. But if you did... And the Heat won the championship. Then I would offer blowjobs to all my Twitter followers. Oh, we did that. Yeah. They, the Heat did that. We did that. We, you know, had a little thing down here. People came. We filmed it. We cammed it. <laughs> it was dope. Then again, I did it again in 2014, two years later, and that was for the World Cup. And we supported Germany during the World Cup. And Again, it was the same kind of thing. You had to like jump through all these tubes to go, to do it, but we had an even a bigger turnout, and so it was cammed and it was filmed, and you know you can purchase the DVD still to this day on my site. <laughs> That's the cool thing about Sarah is that when she tweets, "I'm going to give out free blowjobs," she means I'm giving yeah. out free blowjobs. Totally. Most girls uh, do not. I was. Gonna... I, I gave I gave out six free blowjobs the first. <laughs> Round and 14 the second round. <laughs> and every one of them was a great blowjob, no doubt. So um, there you go, guys. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Sarah. Everyone, I'm sure, has enjoyed hearing um, your thoughts on so many different great topics. We've learned today that you're very passionate 
about racism. Of uh, we've learned that you were exploited labor at age eleven years old. <laughs> Uh, we've learned some about your career so this has been great I want to remind everybody of course that you should go check her out on Sex Panther and that you should go to letsfix.com l-e-t-s-p-h-i-x.com to check out their incredible um, pleasure products including the puckish that we described on the show here and lastly if you are one of the legions of Sarah fans what do you call your legions of fans? Jaybirds. Jaybirds. If you're one of the Jaybirds and who's not a regular listener of this show and you tuned in just to hear Sarah, uh, please uh, subscribe. Hit the subscribe button and, uh, and give us a review if you can. A five-star review would be great. It always helps us get new sponsors. So there you go, everybody. Say your um, website and your Twitter one more time. My website, SarahJ.com and Wideside.com. You can check me out on Twitter, SarahJXXX. And Instagram is the underscore real underscore Sarah underscore J. <laughs> yeah, and if you don't see a verified thing, then it's not her. I'm I'm just, it's a, it always makes me angry. But I just put you in this morning, Sarah J. You're the fifth Sarah J. That comes up on Twitter. Yeah. Why would they let four clear impersonators be ahead of you? But whatever. I have we... to like I like literally report people every day. That's insane. Um, they, they it, once you're verified, they should prevent anyone else from being Sarah J. It's as simple as hey, that. Twitter's pretty quick to take things down, to be honest with you, as opposed to like Instagram. Instagram, it's like, come on. I don't know why Instagram That's is crazy. so slow about taking things down. And like a lot of times, you know, fans will be like, "Why do you get so mad about it?" I get so mad about it because. They're scamming you guys. Yeah. Like not just visually scamming you guys, but some of them take it to like a whole nother level and actually like reach out and contact my fans and try to engage in either like just conversation or try to like scam money out of people. Like I cannot tell you how many, like I get messages daily. This happened to me numerous times. A fake, not necessarily Sarah J, but a fake performer will set up an account and They'll be pretty good about it, so others will follow it. So then I'll go, oh, okay, I see so-and-so has a new account, so I'll click on it. And then I get a DM saying, hey, Glenn, how you doing? I'm in a jam. I need some money wired to me or whatever. And I'll be like, whatever. If it was the real you, you would have texted me. You know, right. like, That's ridiculous. Uh, but that's the kind of bullshit that happens, and we don't want that to keep happening. But anyway, amazing day with you here. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, once again, the great Sarah J. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.